Welcome into 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Joined as always by good buddy John Paulson uh, of 444.com. Fame. I'll just say fame now. How about that? John, how you doing today? I'm not bad. How you doing, Anthony? Good, good. A uh, lot, lot less hectic than, than last week. So uh, looking forward to the podcast today. Before we jump into it, tell, tell us a little bit about the music. Yeah, this is a really good uh, single. Uh, by Ra Ra Riot. It was released this year. I assume it's going to be on an upcoming album of theirs, but the name of the single is uh, Bad to Worse. Um, got a real good uh, sound to it. And if you like it, you might want to check out uh, their track Water. What? I don't know why I said water that way. Water uh, <laughs> from 2016. Water uh, from 2016 off their Need Your Light album. It was the. Uh, uh, first track off that album so if you like this what you heard today go back and check that one out as well uh put uh the bad to worst track on the uh, most accurate podcast playlist on spotify which you can find on spotify if you search or if you can't find it there uh, go to any post in our uh podcast post at 44.com there's a link to uh, the playlist there all right, we got good news. Giving away another jersey. This time it's an autographed Devontae Adams jersey. Subscribers will also receive a $35 coupon off any league at FFPC, and it's 17 to 20% off your 4 for 4 subscription thanks to our early bird rate. So similar to the promotion that we've been running the last couple of weeks for the Alvin Kamara autographed jersey, now it's Devontae Adams. If you've already signed up, don't worry. You're eligible to win as well. So if, you, if you're thinking to yourself, hey, I, I signed up a couple weeks ago. What the heck? You're already eligible to win. Uh, there's there's nothing that you have to do to enter. The jersey will go to one lucky subscriber on June 15th. So get on it if you don't have an early, if you don't have a subscription yet to four for four. Jump on it now. Autograph Devontae Adam jersey. Thirty five dollar coupon off any FFPC uh, league, and then seventeen to twenty percent off this, depending on what subscription you get at four for four dot com. That's our early bird rate. So if you subscribed already, great, you're eligible. If not, jump on it right now because the, the pricing won't get any better as we get closer to the season. And as uh, everybody can attest to that it uses 444.com, all of our information, all of our tools are very helpful. Now that we're done with John's rankings, uh, that we did the breakdowns the last couple of weeks of the four four main position groups, we're going to do division by division, discuss some of the biggest fantasy questions for each team. We'll start off with the NFC West and the NFC South today, and then cover two divisions each week. So we'll be, we'll be putting out some podcasts once a week for the next uh, over the next month. Let's start off, John, with the Rams, the NFC champions. Cooper Cup should be back. Jared Goff will also have Cup, Brandon Cooks, and Robert Woods to throw to again. Gerald Everett, um, the t- talented tight end, not used utilized a lot in Sean McVay's offense, but you know he is an up and coming tight end. He's got some some upside there. But the big question is in the backfield, where there there's been a lot of hand wringing about Todd Gurley's knee. Ian Rappaport recently said that Gurley's days is a straight up. Everyday bell cow are probably over. He's not participating in OTAs and is unlikely to play in the preseason per general manager Les Snead. His ADP has dropped from pick 10 
to pick 13 over the last week, while he's likely while his likely backup rookie Darrell Henderson out of Memphis is up from pick number 92 to 71. So he's going in around the sixth round. How worried are you about Todd Gurley's health and workload in 2019, John? Uh, maybe I'm being naive, but I'm probably not freaking out as much as the rest of the fantasy community is about this. Um, I think that the Rams decision not to sign CJ Anderson, you know, on a cheap deal after what he did for them late last year, helping them in the playoffs late in the season was kind of a signal that they aren't as worried about Gurley's knee as maybe the fantasy community is right now. Now they did draft Henderson, uh, they addressed they addressed the position fairly early in the draft, um, so you could make the argument that they just basically replaced Anderson with a younger version of somebody that maybe they they wanted to uh, be the long term uh, running back of the future for them, uh, and they are worried about Gurley's knee. So uh, basically, I think if if Gurley's season was in doubt, we would know about it at this point. Uh, so what I think is going to happen is he's going to play, but he's maybe going to have a Reduced workload, as uh, Rappaport mentioned, uh, not the bell cow that he was. I currently have him. I moved him. I did move him down in the rankings. I have him at running back ten right now in PPR, right around Dalvin Cook and Damian Williams, uh, below Joe Mixon. Uh, that's PPR formats. I have him uh, projected for about eleven or twelve games right now. So that could mean a couple things if he misses a few games, uh, or if he's uh, has a little bit diminished role. Uh, for you know, 12, 13, 14 games, uh, that, that's sort of where the projections are sitting for him. I did just pass on him in the second round. Uh, I drafted uh, George Kittle in our um, uh, four for four staff, uh, and uh, we had some other uh, industry people in this uh, mock draft that that we're doing. Um, I passed on him for um, George Kittle. I would have probably also drafted uh, Antonio Brown over him, uh, just just over concerns about the knee. But I think he get in the late second. That was the middle of the second round. If you get in late second, early third, and Gurley's still on the board, it's hard not to take him. Uh, it's all – I would definitely look – read up on the injury, uh, get yourself familiar with it uh, before you make a decision one way or the other. Um, but there's really no point in him being in OTAs right now. Uh, they're probably not going to play him in the preseason. So this is this is a question mark that's going to, to continue throughout the offseason. And um, – you know, heading into week one, we may still not know what his role is going to be or whether or not he's going to play. So it's whether or not you can live with that. He's got huge upside, obviously, if he if he does play. Um, but if he doesn't, you know, you're you're sitting with a, a second round pick that that's not playing for you. But I, I do think that he uh, should not be drafted in the first round anymore. You know, it's it's interesting. It's kind of ironic because a year ago, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, those that was the big decision. And if somebody took Le'Veon Bell first overall. And the person that got Todd Gurley second overall, you you banked on Todd Gurley, and while everybody else suffered with Le'Veon Bell, now you're not not the same thing because Gurley's falling later in the first round. But it's interesting that after Gurley kind of won a lot of people their fantasy leagues a year ago, now he's the guy that everybody's got to make a decision on. But you know, going back to the Super Bowl and and really the playoffs. I just thought it was funny. I got into debates about whether or not the Rams were were actually trying to utilize uh, Mike Anderson more than, or CJ Anderson, excuse me, CJ Anderson more than Todd Gurley. You know, CJ Anderson's been better, and but 
give me a break. Gurley was hurt. You knew you, everybody knew he was hurt. The Rams wouldn't wouldn't continue to feed C.J. Anderson with if Todd Gurley was one hundred percent healthy, especially uh, in the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. So not surprising at all that Todd that Todd Gurley is banged up, and obviously he had the injury situation at Georgia as well. Uh, anything else on the Rams, or should we move on to the Seahawks? Well, I do I do like uh, Jerry Goff. I mentioned him. You mentioned him earlier. Uh, he, I got him in a two quarterback league as my starter i was like the second to last person to take quarterback i think um i think he was quarterback 12 or 13 off the board and that lines up with his average draft position uh, i have him at quarterback seven uh with with cutback i think he's just going to be at uh at, you know have all his weapons and uh is going to get back to where he was scoring in early in the season last year with cup healthy and then if Gurley is not himself uh they may have to throw the ball a little bit more and that will also help help Goff. Right. We're doing NFC West first. We're going division by division today. We're doing NFC West and NFC South. So let's move on to the Seahawks. How do you think the backfield will shake out with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny? And then with Doug Baldwin now retired, is DK Metcalf going to be a fantasy star as a rookie? Yeah, they, they came out uh, this week and said that they're going to continue to run the ball. Uh, they, I mean, they ran it 534 times. That includes... Uh, 67 rushes by Russell Wilson. He attempted 427 passes. So one of the few teams really that's running the ball more than than throwing it. Uh, I think they'll continue with that. And with Mike Davis gone, Mike Davis carried the ball 112 times. He had uh, 34 receptions as well. Uh, so quite a few touches there that can go to Rashad Penny, uh, probably. Uh, there's also J.D. McKissick and C.J. Procise. And if those guys can stay healthy. They might be able to contribute a little bit as well. But I think we'll see, you know, Carson's value probably stay about the same. He had 247 carries, uh, 20 reception, 20 receptions, uh, nine touchdowns total. Uh, and a lot of Mike Davis's work going to, to Penny, and so Penny's uh, he's increasing in value pretty significantly. He might end up close to 200 carries if if he gets all of Mike Davis's work, uh, and then maybe 40 catches in the passing game. So that would be a pretty good, pretty good workload for Penny in his second season. Um, you asked about DK Metcalf as well. Uh, again, with with uh, Russell Wilson not throwing the ball a ton, the targets uh, you know aren't as big as maybe what you would think with Doug Baldwin uh, being cut. He, in 13 games, he had 73 targets. Uh, so there is a, a role there. There's certainly a lot of snaps for uh, Metcalf. They, they seem like they're really excited about him after the rookie minicamp and. He looked. He's built like a total stud. So we'll see uh, if they uh, utilize him as much as they sort of indicate they will, based on where they drafted him. Um, David Moore is the other guy, kind of a deep, deep sleeper right now. He's he's available at the end of drafts. Uh, he had 53 targets, 26 catches for 445 yards, and five touchdowns last year. Uh, obviously, Tyler Lockett is a really safe pick. I think in the fifth round or so, he. You know, runs the ball a little bit, but he also uh, is highly productive with the targets he gets. He had 70 targets, 57 catches, 965 yards, 16.9 yards per reception, 10 touchdowns last year. He can also uh, get you points in the return game if you're in one of those types of leagues. But uh, I do think in the ninth, tenth round, if if guys like uh, Larry Fitzgerald and James Washington are off the off the board, then I will look at at Metcalf as a high upside uh, uh, player at that point in the draft. 
All right, the 49ers, moving on to them, they signed Tevin Coleman and now have a very crowded backfield, to say the least, with Matt Breida, the return of Jarek McKinnon, who was injured all of last year, Coleman, who I just mentioned. Is there any value here, or do you just avoid this backfield? Uh, I, I have been taking, or I did take uh, Coleman, I think in the, I would say the mid-sixth round. I think at that point you could maybe take, you know, roll the dice on him. There was a report recently that he was... Uh, the odds-on favorite to to lead this uh, backfield in in touches. Uh, they did indicate that they wanted him pretty badly by assigning him to a pretty good contract. Uh, he played for Kyle Shanahan, of course, in, in uh, Atlanta. Uh, so they know what they're getting with him. Uh, they did tab. I could, could have said the same thing about McKinnon last year, but he's now he's coming off the the injury, and we don't know you know if he'll be a hundred percent. So. The value, though, is probably in, in Breda because he, you know, proved last year that he was a pretty effective back, and he's the one going. I don't know, tenth, ninth, tenth, eleventh round, uh, in, in drafts. So he's the cheapest option of the three. Uh, I, I would say, if, you know, if I were a betting man and I just said straight up odds, I would take Coleman probably to, to lead this back, backfield in touches, and it is a very productive fantasy uh, running back backfield. So if you do get the lead guy, uh, he'll probably be a starter for you. And it's always interesting. I know. I know that Kyle Shanahan and Tevin Coleman have a relationship dating back to their the, the Shanahan's two years in Atlanta. Um, but I, I, I just I, I find it kind of intriguing with Coleman that they they decided even with with Matt Breida aboard and Jarek McKinnon, all that hype surrounding him a year ago pre-injury, that they went out and signed Tevin Coleman and Tevin Coleman, despite knowing. Everything uh, the, the the crowded backfield situation in San Francisco, he decided to sign with with the Forty ers So, uh, you know, I, I would think that maybe Tevin Coleman will eventually emerge as the the number one guy. So, I, I like the way you phrase that with uh, with the with the odds on favorite being Tevin Coleman to kind of emerge as their 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 main their main running back. Uh, how about receiver? Forty ers have Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. Kendrick Bourne, which receiver leads this team in targets when it's all said and done? Well, George Kittle, but he's not a receiver. Right. Uh, that was a trick. Uh, that was a trick question. Uh, <laughs> you set me up. <laughs> no, I think you set me up. So, uh, you know, he had 136 targets last year. He'll he'll very likely lead this uh, team in targets again, but he's not a receiver. So, uh, looking at Dante Pettis, not a high target guy. Over the last six games last year he was on pace for like 99 targets like six point something per game so he was a, he was almost a 100 target guy which is sort of your number two option for most teams um but they but the question here is how much does he lose if anything in terms of his targets to Debo Samuel Jalen Hurd uh a healthy uh, Mark Marquise Goodwin who you know he was injured last year uh does he reemerge as a viable threat uh and, and really who's Who's starting for this team? I mean, you'd think Pettis is safe, uh, Kittle obviously, and then who are the other two receivers on the field most of the time? Is it Goodwin, Samuel, Hur, Kendrick Bourne, uh, who actually was the top targeted uh, wide receiver last year uh, for the, for this team? So he had 66 targets, 42 receptions for 487 yards and four touchdowns. So um, we have to see how these, you know, who's getting the first team reps? How how's it shaking out in camp? Uh, to just really find value here, but I would think that Samuel uh, would have the inside track on the uh, some slot work. Hurd is they're talking about him being kind of a hybrid. He could play running back. He could play uh, 
tight end if you put on some weight. So they're looking at him as sort of a utility weapon type type guy, which means he could get snaps in a lot of different ways. Um, so you might see a situation with Pettis and Goodwin and Samuel as the starters and, and then Hurd coming in here and there with Bourne, you know, as the fourth receiver, fourth or fifth receiver. So uh, I would say of the, of the receivers, I would guess that Pettis would lead this team in, in targets, but it could easily be, easily be Samuel out of the slot if, if he's starting and playing, you know, 90% of the snaps. Let's move on to Arizona now. This is, an, this is kind of a, a compelling situation because they decided that Josh Rosen no longer uh, was a fit. And Cliff Kingsbury, obviously, taken over from Texas Tech. That, that's not a big leap, but they did invest a top top pick, first-round pick last year in Rosen, then traded him to the Dolphins because they took Kyler Murray first overall this year. Uh, will Kyler Murray <clears throat> excuse me, finish as, as a QB1 as a rookie, or is that too much to ask behind a shaky offensive line and a complete unknown in, in Kingsbury who takes over uh, after previously running Texas Tech? Well, I have uh, I have Murray at 13 right now in my quarterback rankings. He's going to do well in the four-point-per-pass TD scoring um, because that tends to favor rushing quarterbacks over passing quarterbacks. Uh, not that he can't pass, but uh, you know his touchdowns won't be as high as relative to his rushing yards and rushing uh, touchdowns compared to some of the other guys. Uh, I believe I mentioned this before, but I have a... Um, I have a model that I use that looks at uh, – it's a regression model that looks at uh, college quarterback stats to give me a starting point for how uh, rookies would do. And so I, so I compare uh, college quarterback stats to rookie year starters who start at least 12 games, I think, is, is part of the model. So I have a 42-player sample, and Murray comes in um, with the highest projected touchdown percentage, the highest projected yards per attempt, third highest projected rushing yards per game, and the fourth highest uh, projected rushing touchdowns per uh, in, per game in the uh, not, excuse me uh, fourth highest pr- projected rushing touchdowns in the 42 player sample. Uh, you're looking at his passing numbers; they're almost as good as Baker Mayfield's in the same system um, at Oklahoma. And Murray is just a much better runner, so he could add fantasy points that way. You know, Mayfield obviously was successful as a rookie last year. I could see uh, Murray finishing with mid to low end QB1 numbers. He might have some bad games because he's a rookie, but should have some really big games, uh, you know, games where he pushes 100 yards rushing, has a touchdown, maybe throws for a couple touchdowns as well. He has a pretty good receiving core. It's young, uh, other than Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Christian Kirk, uh, and uh, a couple of rookies there, Andy Isabella, Akeem Butler. Uh, so, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is getting his guys in there uh, and giving Murray some, some weapons and obviously – uh, David Johnson is a good receiver of the backfield as well. So uh, they're not lacking for weapons. So I think he will have a good uh, rookie season, probably better than uh, what, you know, the people were drafting him immediately after the draft, maybe drafting him QB 15, QB 18. I think he probably finishes higher than that. You just mentioned Isabella and you just mentioned Butler. Who is the better season between those two? Well, the more I look into Andy Isabella, you know, they drafted him ahead of Akeem Butler. His, market share and stuff in college was, was fantastic. He scored extremely well in Kevin's at Lucal's wide receiver uh, model, a success model. And he's not just a slot guy. He can play outside. He played a lot outside uh, in college. And I think with Fitzgerald maybe roaming the slot, Isabella and Christian Kirk on the outside, 
I think is how they're going to end up lining up. But we'll have to see how Isabella and Butler do. Uh, there are some other receivers there, uh, some veterans there, Ch- Chad Williams and and others. So uh, I, I do think that Isabella will beat up Butler, but because that's the way that they drafted him. I mean, they already are saying that they would prioritize Isabella over Butler. So it's going to take a, a good offseason for Butler to, to get on the field ahead of Isabella. All right, let's move on to the NFC South and the Saints. What will Latavius Murray's role be in the offense? Will be he will he be as valuable as Mark Ingram? He signed with the Baltimore Ravens, and the Saints needed a compliment to Alvin Kamara. They chose Murray, who had a couple of nondescript years in Minnesota. So what's his role going to be? Well, I think it depends on which Ingram you're talking about because last year he averaged 13.3 touches per game and the year before it was 18 touches per game. So there was a pretty significant drop last season. Uh, he had the suspension and came back and had a big first game back as I think they gave Alvin Kamara a kind of a week off uh, in Ingram's first game and everybody panicked about Alvin Kamara. <laughs> um, but Ingram's a better pass catcher than Latavius Murray. Murray's not terrible in that role, but Ingram's more versatile. But if you just look at uh, Ingram's 2018 rushing workload, that's 11.5 rushes per game. Uh, Murray gets that. His career yards per carry, 4.1. So that's pretty, you know, probably a low estimate for this rushing offense. He's looking at 48 yards per game just as a runner. Maybe he has a half a touchdown because they probably don't want to pound Kamara at the at the line. Although he did get quite a few goal line looks, uh, half a touchdown per game for Murray seems fair, and maybe half of uh, Ingram's receiving production. And you're you're already at low end fantasy RB two numbers, and this is a situation where if you draft Murray and then something happens to Kamara, now you have a top ten running back probably with Latavius Murray in this uh, in this offense. So. Uh, I think he, you know, he's been going in the sixth, seventh round. I think I took him there a couple times. You start to look at him as an RB3, RB4, uh, where you can start him. Maybe he's not producing every single week, but you have that huge upside if anything happens to Kamara. And then moving on to the Falcons, Calvin Ridley, do you think that he overtakes Muhammad Sanu in targets? They drafted him uh, with their first-round pick last year. From a touchdown standpoint, he had a big year. He kind of fell off in the second half, although that was rather predictable. Kid can run outstanding routes. Nice compliment to Julio Jones, but Sanu is still there. Uh, and Sanu out-targeted Ridley 94-92. to ni- uh, So you think Ridley overtakes Sanu from a target standpoint? You would think so. And maybe you could speak to this, what you're feeling on it is, uh, you know, Sanu was kind of surprised me that he continued – uh, the size of his role in the offense. I mean, Ridley, obviously, from a fantasy standpoint, with the 10 touchdowns, had the big season. Fantastic route runner, as you mentioned. He did fare very well in Matt Harmon's reception perception as a rookie. Uh, so I think this is the year that you over, he overtakes him, but Sanu's still hanging around. So what is, what's your take on that? I think, yeah, I think this is probably Sanu's last year. I think he has two more years left on his contract, uh, but I, I was a little surprised that he wasn't one of their camp cuts. I... The, the Falcons have always been a team under uh, Dimitrov that is seemingly, until this, this draft, because it was so apparent they needed offensive linemen, uh, under Dimitrov, they, they've been a team that built from the outside in. So, you know, wide receivers. He went up and got Julio Jones. 
Uh, they had other pressing needs last year in the draft, but when Calvin Ridley fell to them, they took him. They they spent a lot of money on Muhammad Sanu. They they just they invest in the wide receiver position. Uh, but Ridley is a more talented player. He's faster, like I said, bigger, better, better route runner. What Sanu does well is he he outbodies uh, uh, linebackers and safeties and and cornerbacks inside in the slot. So under Dirk Cutter, I, I think that. You know, Dirk Cutter runs a lot of aggressive vertical passing routes. So, to me, Julio Jones obviously won. I think Calvin Ridley is is uh, is going to be their wide receiver too, and then Sanu is going to kind of gobble up some targets over the middle when either they need maybe a short first down and they want to put the ball in the air, or maybe as a bit of an outlet for Matt Ryan. Now, uh, Austin Hooper, their tight end, also kind of has that that plays in that same role. So. Bottom line for me, yes, I think that Calvin Ridley is going to emerge as as a guy that gets as more targets than Mohamed Sanu, not as much as Julio Jones, but obviously you'll take the touchdown, uh, you know, numbers that 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 Ridley posted a year ago. So I think Ridley's going to be a, a solid wide receiver. What do you think, John? Fair to say, solid wide receiver three in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, I have him at thirty one right now, and I'm looking at my rankings, and it's like DJ Moore. Uh, I have James Washington at twenty nine, Tyler Boyd at thirty. Marvin Jones at 32, so I have him in that, you know, quality, uh, real world wide receiver two um, range. But I think fantasy wise, you could see him push for wide rec- fantasy wide receiver two numbers up there with like Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, uh, Tyler Lockett, et cetera. At that in that those low twenty or the low twenties there, um, and he's a, you know you're looking at him versus Boyd Moore. Those these are some exciting young. Uh, receivers and you're trying to gauge their roles in the offense more is the number one guy Boyd is probably the number two guy behind AJ Green Ridley number two maybe behind Julio Jones so it, it gets to be where you're really trying to figure out roles when you when you put these projections together all right what about Ito Smith because he's going to be a, a kind of a big topic of discussion as a handcuff to Devontae Freeman or simply as a, a possible RB2 as the season wears on because you don't know about Freeman's health Missed most of last season with multiple injuries. It wasn't just one. What's your thoughts on Ito Smith at the start of the year? Uh, and really, let's, let's go back to the draft, the start of the year, and then where he ultimately winds up by the end of the season. Well, right now he's going like 10th, 11th round. Wow. Um, I've gotten him later than that. And I don't, I guess I don't get it. Uh, I mean, Devonta Freeman's back, yes. Uh, but they have not given him like bell cow type workload it's always been freeman with coleman uh with you know getting 10 to 12 touches per game uh so i could easily see smith in that coleman role and then so he should be maybe going two to three rounds earlier because that's where coleman was going um maybe he's not as explosive as coleman uh, but he's good in the passing game and then you have the the enhanced or the increase in injury risk with freeman uh you know he's getting he's no spring chicken and he's coming off the injuries, and uh, you know if he goes out now, all of a sudden you have a the starting running back for the for the Falcons, and he kind of showed what he could do last year. So I feel like he's going, you know, too late compared to some of these other guys that are going ahead of him. It's just uh, I'm happy to pick him up as my RB five, and and he's sort of an attrition play, but he's also somebody that can, uh, especially in best ball or whatever, can can end up getting starts for you because he has. A good game in any given week. Maybe Freeman gets dinged up, or maybe he has you know twelve touches for eighty-five yards and a touchdown in a given week because that's what that's what uh, Coleman was able to do in this offense. 
We got we have two more teams to discuss in the NFC South, and then we'll wrap up the pod in Carolina. What sort of season are you expecting out of Cam Newton? He's recovering from shoulder surgery. He was down downright bad late last year because of that shoulder. I remember a Thursday night game where they played in Pittsburgh and they got the doors blown off them, and you could just tell that that Cam Newton was not at a hundred percent, not even close. In fact, he kind of wound up becoming a detriment to the Panthers. So, what type of season are you expecting out of him? And then how does that impact D.J. Moore and Curtis Samuel? Yeah, I have him uh, missing uh, uh, more games than his uh, the other quarterbacks in the rankings, so that's why he's down at 18 right now um, and four-point pass per, uh, per touchdown. Uh, and he, he will, if he starts to get healthy and is throwing and is looking like his usual self as the summer wears on, then he's going to rise. I mean, he's just one of these players that when he's healthy and out there he and he's he can actually throw the ball and run it. He's a top 10, top eight, top five quarterback. I mean, he's proven that over, over the years. I just worry about the shoulder. And right now it's sort of depressing the whole, my projections for the whole Carolina passing offense. So I have DJ Moore a little bit lower than my, uh, my peers. I have uh, Curtis Samuel a little bit lower than my peers just because the, the passing yards are down for Newton uh, and this offense. So he's somebody that I do not like drafting right now because I don't know his health and maybe People that are drafting him right now are going to get a great, get a, you know, great deal on him. Um, but as time goes on, he gets healthy and that becomes proven. Uh, then he'll be moving up the rankings. But I think with the quarterback depth uh, in the league right now, there's no point in taking him at his ADP when there's other so many other options you can you can, you have at your disposal. I mean, I, that are healthy, like that'll definitely be out there for for week one. So um, we'll see with him and. Um, you know, he's a guy that could rise in the in the rankings, and if he rises, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are going to rise as well. And then in Tampa, I know you love Chris Godwin's chances of a breakout season and have O.J. Howard in your second tier of tight ends, but what do you make of this backfield? Ronald Jones had been impressing uh, in OTAs this offseason, but the team did resign Peyton Barber. Who has who who was much better than Jones last year? You know, Jones was a lot of people were kind of excited about him coming out of USC, and he just flatlined. So, what do you think of Jones? What do you think of Barber? This Tampa Bay backfield now that uh, Bruce Arians has taken over. Well, the hype is kind of picking up with Jones a little bit. He was at uh, pick ninety five for most of uh, May, and over the last week he's at pick eighty five. So he's you know basically risen around. And he's he's becoming one of the more attractive uh, roll the dice picks there. I guess the seventh round um, for him. Let's see, eighty five divided by twelve is early eighth round, late seventh round. Uh, I'm seeing him go in the seventh round now. Um, that's I think we're starting to get close to. I, mean, I wouldn't say that's his upside. I mean, he's, he could finish in the top twenty, um, but based on what he did last year, it's not too, you know too encouraging at all. He was really dreadful. And Barber is basically free. I think the other thing that we need to keep an eye on is whether or not they maybe make a trade for Duke Johnson. Uh, I think he'd be a really good fit uh, in this offense. Uh, can catch the ball. He's a better runner than people give him credit for. Uh, so that would obviously throw this whole backfield up in the air. So I wouldn't invest too many shares at Jones of in Jones in the seventh round. Uh, but maybe if he's there in the eighth, ninth round still, I, I would – I would take him. I, I do think there is, I think he has the better chance to be the starter because of his off season buzz. And, you know, the fact that Barber's kind of just a guy. Um, but, you know, I liked him a lot more when he was around in the ninth, 10th round than I do in the seventh. 
All right, John, good stuff. We just wrapped up NFC West and NFC South. That That's just for now. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll break down each division. We'll go two divisions each pod like we did today. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about these situations throughout the summer and the camp battles. Once they start to shake out, we'll, we'll spend a lot more time talking about those two divisions. So we're far from done talking NFC West and NFC South throughout the course of the summer. Summer. Just a reminder that if you have, if you don't have a subscription to 4 for 4, now's the time to jump on it with our early bird rates. The free $35 coupon for an FFPC league and a chance to win an autographed Devontae Adams jersey is in play when you're looking at these early bird rates. Uh, if you've already signed up, you're already you're already in the mix for uh, these prizes as well. So don't fret if you signed up last week and you're excited. You, you know, look, you're you're in the mix still, uh, and we'll draw. I think what uh, June 15th, John, I believe is the, is that date. We'll be back next week for a look at the NFC North and the NFC East. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next week on 444.com's Most Accurate Podcast. that